This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Welcome back to Weird Distractions Podcast, a podcast where we dive into the likes of true crime, paranormal, and conspiracy theories. I'm your host, Christy. And I'm your other host, Alex. And we're back at it again this fine Wednesday for yet another mini episode of some spooky goodies for you guys. Alex's favorite time of the year. Favorite thing we're doing right now. Literally, I am living my finest life. I am decked out in Halloween. I am ready to go get some candy. No tricks, all treats. It's just, it's a fabulous time of year. What a wonderful time. Alex is currently sitting in the dark recording with us. That's how in the mood she is. Yeah, you have to set a mood when you record. You gotta get the ambiance right, you know? If I could have the room just lit with a jack-o'-lantern, I would. But for some reason, I feel like that might be a safety concern. So no, there's candles in the house, but yeah, a jack-o'-lantern might be a little bit of a problematic issue. A little bit of a problematic issue, but you know what isn't a problematic issue? What? The fact that you're going to try and scare the crap out of me today with your midweek mini spook. Mm-hmm. So let's dive right into it, shall we? Yes. So for this week's mini spook, we will dive into the history of the French Lick Hotel in Indiana and some lingering guests that hang around the hotel, supposedly. Ooh. And for all you history buffs, Alex included, I will do a timeline dive into the works of the hotel before we kind of jump into the spooky stuff. Ooh, sounds good. I love some history before the haunts. So lay it on me thick. No Tino shade, but when you're like, okay, we're going to do history. And I'm like, fuck my life. I like the good stuff. <laughs> it's it's the, what is it? The prelude before yes. the actual story. You got to know what you're dealing with. You can't just be like, yeah. And then there was a poltergeist from the closet <laughs> that, you know, changes the light bulbs without anyone noticing before they die or before. Yeah. It, yeah. You just, you, you can't, you gotta, you gotta prelude yeah, you gotta know where the poltergeist comes from and who the history is and blah, 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 exactly blah, blah, blah. and how they died how they became what their favorite color is what their nicknames are yeah you're gonna you gotta know everything what's their horoscope <laughs> what's their rising sun sign okay so jumping into the history so the hotel was built in 1845 by its original owner dr william bowles he came to the indiana destination because of its quoted miracle waters quotation marks Wow. From the Sulphur Springs that surrounded the grounds of the hotel. This three-story wooden-framed hotel at the time grew success immediately as guests came from far and wide to enjoy the experience and the doctor's work of the healing powers from the water that could be attributed. So very much Crescent Hotel in Arkansas vibes is what I'm getting. It's like they all started this way. They're like, mm, let's start something and hope people come. I don't know. I mean, there is a historical trail that people for many, many, many moons have believed that water has healing powers and what have you. I mean, I get it. I understand. Water helps me out when I'm, you know, 
hungover on a Sunday morning. So I get it. It's magical. It's life changing. <laughs> so this went on for a time until 1901. The Indianapolis mayor, Tom Taggart, purchased the property along with a small group of investors of the French Lake Hotel Company. There were many updates and expansions done, which grew the interest in the hotel and allowed its international growth and excellence. There were high-end furnishings, marble floors, and a personal business of his own for some bottled water. Furthermore, it had daily trains run to the hotel from Chicago. All these major milestones brought a fresh water system, electricity basically, and transportation to the town. So it was bumping and it was very urbanizing, I would say. Very much the new new and very hip and popular probably with all the, I don't even know what kind of generation would be in reference to millennials. In the 1900s, yeah. Yeah, but I just imagine all the young couples with you know, young kids or whatever are moving into this place and people are like, oh, those damn millennials, except for they weren't millennials. But you, do you catch my drift? Because I, I catch you. I get what you're yeah. down. Yeah, apparently us millennials ruin everything, so I can imagine this is where that's going. I disagree, but okay. So the hotel was obviously doing well in its early days, but more attractions were always needed. The game of golf was a growing market, and in 1907, Taggart hired Tom Bendelow to design one of its two championship golf courses that are still used today. The Spring Valley Golf Links course was done by 1910. Then in 1917, Donald Ross was hired to build the other oh-so-important golf course, two miles southeast, the Hill Course. This was a challenging course, as one could put it, because it was unconventional, apparently, with its little sand traps and all that stuff about golf that I don't understand very well. And I work at a golf course, and I still don't understand half the shit. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I when you're talking when you start talking about golf, I really wanted to say, Christy, do you know how much I love golf? He's probably never golfed other than mini golf. Yeah. <laughs> I worked on, as I said, I worked at the golf course. And literally someone called in one time because it was raining. They're like, what's the speed of the greens? And I was like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Is this my math teacher calling? Because I graduated a year ago. Please leave me alone. This is why I don't work there anymore. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I I hate I hate golf. But I mean, to each their own. Everyone has their own interest. But yeah, golf is... Uh, my farthest cup of tea. So anyways, back to the hill course. So the, again, second golf course that they put in, it has gone on to house many PGA and LPGA tours, which was started back in 1924 of many esteemed golf legends. Again, none that I know anything about because we don't do golf, but it, many careers have soared from these golf courses and then and beyond. The only golf career I am aware of. I mean, Tiger Woods. Yes, only because he cheated Scandals. on his. Yeah, because he <laughs> cheated on his wife, and that is literally the only thing I know about golf. The only thing. So you know nothing about golf. <laughs> I know absolutely shit all about golf. So. Well, what are you gonna do? I hope there's somebody out there listening to our podcast That's playing like, wow. golf. Wow. Or or yeah, that or playing golf, saying wow. I'm going to unsubscribe. Please don't. We need the subscriptions. But yeah, I please someone make golf make sense to me. Yeah, please don't hate us. We just we just don't understand. Make it make sense, damn it. I don't get it. Other than get the ball in the hole, but it seems so much more complicated than that. Anyways, another little tidbit from the side that kind of buffs some history is also in 1917. One day at the resort, Chef Louis Perrin ran out of some oranges, apparently, because he made some homemade orange juice at this place, being all fancy fans. And then he, so he used tomatoes instead, because that's all he had on hand. 
and then this man created the first ever tomato juice. Disgusting. <laughs> I was going to say, I highly thank him because I enjoy some delicious Caesars all the time. <laughs> I, I do enjoy a Caesar, and if you're not from Canada and listening, Caesars are Bloody Marys or whatever you Americans decide to call them. But yeah, I mean, I like tomato juice when there's vodka. If there's no vodka, I don't like it. It needs lots of seasoning for every drink. Otherwise, yeah, it tastes like... Ugh. Tastes like something your mom tells you you should drink or your grandma tells you you should drink. But in reality, it's like, no, you got to liquor that bitch up. You got to make it like, taste good. Yes. Anyways, however, back to the hotel. Through Taggart's career, he was a true Democrat through and through. He sat on the Democratic National Committee in a time before his death, which his health began to decline in the late 1920s. He had a reputation of having the French Lick as the unofficial headquarters of the Democratic Party, apparently. So very popular there. So when you said in the 1920s, his health started to decline, I really just wanted to scream, same. <laughs> Same here. I get it. I understand the twenties. That's when everything. Since the day I was born, my health's been declining. <laughs> <laughs> 2020, 1920, tomato, tomato. It's we're, it's all a decline once you hit the twenties. Am I right? You're right. Sadly. <laughs> So, unfortunately, Tom was unable to see the success of other things along with Franklin Dean Roosevelt through the hotel before he died on March 6, 1929. His son took over the ownership from then on, and he kept the business booming and salvaged it through many things along with the Great Depression and just keeping it up and up since his dad died and he was the core to the place, basically. However, it was only until November 29, 1946, that his son, Thomas D. Taggart, sold the esteemed hotel to a tycoon boss out of New York City. The hotel left the family name after more than 45 years being owned by some Taggart of sorts. Wow, it's always got to be a tycoon. <laughs> always got to be a roller coaster tycoon, doesn't it? I'm going to say he may have been a money. Like this this hotel was worth two mil. Whoa, like, it was also, who knows what it was like bringing in income wise. Well, okay, wait, back this tycoon roller coaster up. Mm -hmm. You're telling me this hotel, motel, Holiday Inn, was worth millions in the 20, like 1929 area? Appar or no? Apparently is what it said. My but, golly mm. goodness. It's a whole lot of money in this motherfucker, as a famous <laughs> artist would say. I forget her name at the top of my head. Oh, God, it's going to haunt me. Bia? Bia. As, as Bia would say. It's a whole lot of money in this motherfucker. Mm-hmm. But we're going to do some jumping around now. So the hotel then changed hands again in 1955 and was bought by the Sheraton Corporation. They began their own remodel yet again because every time when someone buys something, they have to remodel and make it all mm -hmm. fancy or restored, whatever. Of course, yes. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to sound too redundant, but the hotel changes hands a lot. So we're just going to skim through them. So that was 1955. It changed hands when it was already then... In 1946, when the son sold it to New York City people, tycoon bosses. Oh, so it was the 40s. But still, if, uh, millions in the 40s still sounds like a lot. Like, that transfers to a lot in today's money, I would assume. Mm -hmm. I would think so. But, but again, those facts could be wrong because there was a couple disputing facts. So I'm not going to uh, get much into detail on that. That's totally fine. So that was 1955. It went over to the Sheridan Corporation. Did their thing. 1979, it was also sold to, again, the Cox Hotel Corporation of New York City, and they did their thing. 
In the 1980s, the grounds and the hotel went to Maryland businessman Norman R. Rails, and he did a whole thing about building villas around it, making it like a timeshare thing to make it up and up, Mm. bigger, whatnot. So you could say he was off the rails. Oh my God. (laughs) Alex has left the chat. Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Alex has been removed from the group. No. And Alex is no longer part of Weird Distractions podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I had to. I'm sorry. Continue. Okay. But this Rails guy, like, this doesn't make sense to me. So, like, if you could sell this hotel, you probably could make a decent amount of money. But he just didn't want it anymore. So then in 1991, he put the resort in auction. Not just selling it, but just, like, putting it off an auction. Be like, make me an offer. Well, you could make so much more money. Because then he auctioned it off to a Luther James of Kentucky for only 2.6 mil. Hmm. Yeah, this guy... This Rails guy is just off the rails, realistically. He's, not to repeat my joke again twice, but if you didn't laugh... say goodbye. (laughs) Yeah. If you didn't laugh the first time, you have to laugh the second time. It's just the rule. But, yeah, why why would you auction off? Just sell it. Yeah, because then, six years later, in 1997, changed hands again, shocker, uh, Boykin Lodging Group bought it, and it said that he bought the hotel and all the villas and everything around it for 20 mil. This is 1997. Oh, my gosh. What an idiot. Yeah. I'm like, why are you doing auction shit off? I'm sure someone would buy it. He sounds lazy, like a lazy yeah. businessman. Stuff into it, and he's like, I just want a piece set with no ties. Auction, buy. Mm. Yeah, all TL shade. Lazy. So, again, shocker, a few years later, 2005, the Cook Group, Inc., buys the hotel which i thought was kind of fascinating so cook is like a medical what's the word like a medical corp yeah like it makes it sounds like using the hospital it's actually interesting in our actual x-ray area in our angia specials like cook makes products that we use for guide wires and stuff like that so it's kind of cool it's a little side tidbit i was like oh this company bought this and i use this company interesting it all circles back Yes. So, Cook bought it in 2005. Then they began, again, renovations of restorations, blah, 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 whatnot. But apparently, I don't really know what happened. There wasn't a lot of details, but the hotel had to close briefly, whether it was due to the restorations were, like, impacting stay or something else. But they had to close. So, they reopened in 2006, early fall area, and kind of was up and up, like, open the golf course, open the, the grand open of the hotel again, and things were booming again. From this point on, it's kind of hard to follow who owns the resort from there on and surrounding adjoining resorts, because then some of them kind of, like, join together and make a dual thing or whatever, and it changes hands a lot. There's no more details on who owns it now or, like, who owned it after this point, other than the details I just disclosed. Interesting. Um, yeah. Interesting. But you can definitely go stay there today because there is the, 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 the website is up. It is very up and up. It's a very high class, luxurious hotel. You can go ride the trolleys around the resort. You can do all their amenities and all the esteemed golf courses. All throughout these years, like there was other details, but like, a bunch more PGA tours happened at these golf courses that made more golf people very big. Again, don't know golf, so wasn't jumping on it. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, I probably once once a sport is mentioned that I have no interest in, catch me not paying attention. So now we're going to touch base on the spooks that were happening in this resort, supposedly. So the patrons of the resort have said that there's been kind of multiple encounters with spirits in the resort. And the no- most notable is the original owner, Tom Taggart. How fitting, because he lived his whole life there, basically. Yeah, he lived sense. and breathed for this place. 
Yeah, it sounds like it was his pride and joy or his little industrial baby of sorts. He is most notably found by apparently the service elevators. I don't know the importance of that, but that's where you people see a lot of his shadowy apparition. Or people can experience phantom cigar smoke, kind of as if you'd walked by him because he's been known to be always walking around with a cigar. You could then get the whiff of a cigar as if you lit one up, but there's obviously nobody there. You don't know why you're smelling smoke. Hopefully not a fire. Hopefully not a fire. My gosh. Mm -hmm. Other encounters that have occurred are hearing disembodied voices throughout the halls. I go to different various guest hotels of parties that he would throw in the past and whatnot. Um, People are also getting mysterious phone calls from rooms that have no people checking to them. So they're empty rooms and they get phone calls from them. Interesting. Or a hot spot seems to be the sixth floor. I'm not sure what the importance of the sixth floor is. There's a few hot spots going on up there. So that seems to be the place you want to stay. And you want to get some heebie-jeebies. If you're brave enough, book your room up there and experience whatever you experience or not. I have my doubts, but I'm not going to say anything. Lastly, there's a bellhop, apparently. There is no name of this bellhop or significance of it, but he has been known to kind of just like pop up and people will see him going about his daily routines, like trying to be a bellhop still. And there was notes on, they would apparently would see him in pictures on the wall, like all those historic photos of old things going on. They'd be like, oh, the bellhop that just helped me from the car to the room is the guy that's in this picture from a different, completely era. So it's not him. Hmm. But people seem to think that that's the phantom or apparition of the bellhop helping them of what sorts. And that's all the the spookiness that's going on in this hotel right now. Wow. No one specific, but there's all those voices and stuff going on the sixth floor. Not sure I've been at the hotspots. But regardless, if you want to stay at supposedly the most haunted hotel in Indiana, this is the place. And I would say you should request the sixth floor. Do it. And if you do, email us and tell us your experiences because I would love to hear it. We probably Mm. won't be able to go there anytime soon because gosh darn it, America, your borders are closed, which fair enough. You know what? I get it. I understand. But could you open them up for at least two Canadians, like two fairly amusing, paranormal seeking Canadians? Canadians, that'd be great. And yeah, whatever you want to consider us, just open up, okay? Just open up. But yeah, wow, that's a spooky hotel. I love a spooky hotel. This place sounds interesting. We have to go. It's added to the bucket list without any further discussion. Good job. All hotels that we talk about have are on the bucket list, basically. Oh yeah, basically. A thousand percent. Every hotel that we've talked about on this show is on our bucket list. So you best believe we'll have a lot of travel plans once we can travel. Mm-hmm. You know what else is really good, Alex? Is it your resources? Yes, it is. Oh my them. gosh, my favorite <laughs> part. Give me all that good information. Yeah, so... Our resources um, articles are from the Historic Hotels of America, the French Lake Springs Hotel article, known by nobody and no date. Then we have the CBS4Indie.com article, Indie's Most Haunted, French Lake Springs Hotel Haunted by Former Owner by Kylie Scales from 2017. Then we have Only in Your State. An Indiana posting, October 29, 2020, by Rebecca, no last name. Stay overnight in a 175-year-old hotel that's said to be haunted at French Lake Springs in Hotel in Indiana. Could not make a longer intro. Only in Your State always has the longest intros. It's almost as if, I mean, no shade to Only in Your State because I <laughs> love that website. It is one of my go-tos whenever we cover paranormal locations but they always have the longest title same between only in your state and daily mail yes daily mail is the worst oh <laughs> longest titles it's like a little title yes you know then we have the specific 
access to the actual French Lick Hotel home website, so frenchlick.com. Going to the historical section, so just basically all of their history, and that's by nobody. And then lastly, we have the Haunted Rooms America, the Haunted French Lick Springs Hotel, Indiana, by nobody. No. That's the end of my resources. Wow. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. That is You're so welcome. awesome. Now, Alex, I did the um, your favorite part of the resources. Now you can tell us all the other goodies of where people can listen to us or whatever else. Yeah, so now I'm I'm basically doing your part right now. So, hey, hello. If this is your first time listening to Wear Distractions, hope you enjoyed your listen. If you want to support the show for free, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, Anchor. Essentially, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find us. If you do listen to us on Apple Podcasts or another podcast platform where you can leave a rating review, give us some stars. That'd be lovely. A review would also be great. Preferably, you know, nice ones. If you have any feedback or what have you, you can email us directly at weirddistractionspodcastoutlook.com. But essentially, the best way to support a podcast for free is leaving a rating and review because once you leave a rating and review, it, I don't know, the computers do a bunch of things behind the scenes they make magic happen and then podcasts like us start charting and then people notice and they're like hey we're distractions that sounds cool let's listen and hey it's nice to be noticed right so once again if you are able to please leave us a rating and review that'd be swell another way to support the show for free is to follow us along on our social media platforms we are on facebook TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram. Essentially, just look up Weird Distractions Podcast. You should find us. Twitter is a little bit of an exception. Our handle is at WeirdDistractI1. Don't ask. It's a long story. I had a battle with some Twitter people, but it is what it is. So that is another way to support the show for free. But if you are feeling extra generous and extra loving and you want to support the show with a little bit of that cha-ching you can subscribe to one of our two tiers on patreon at weird distractions podcast once again two tiers one is two dollars usd a month the other one our top tier is five dollars usd a month there are bonus episodes we've got the weird destinations blog post that comes out every month where i basically tell you all the weird creepy places we've been and kind of the true tea of whether or not you should go. Not only that, but we also offer free stickers, shout outs, kind of, I don't know, we're trying to do the most with what we've got right now. And I personally love our patrons, Tom, Bailey, and Angela. Thank you so much for supporting the show. We hope you're enjoying your extra content. And if you want to be a part of our little weird family, you can join at patreon.com. Other ways to support the show, if you've got a little spare change you want to throw our way, we, we appreciate it. We are on Buy Me a Coffee. You could give us a one-time pledge buy us a coffee christia a venti tea fruit explosion thing whatever you buy passion tango tea lemonade to be specific my bad you could buy christy one of those or you can go on redbubble and you can get some weird distractions merch we've got sweaters we've got clocks we've got stickers we've got water bottles get yours today there will always be supplies because redbubble is doing it all and they've got (laughs) a mountain of supplies it sounds like you're like, well, supplies last, run now. <laughs> 
I mean, run, don't walk, but there will always be a supply as long as Red Bubble is in business. So hopefully that doesn't change anytime soon. <laughs> and last but not least, I had mentioned our email before, and I'm going to mention it again because we want your weird tales. And when I say weird, I mean stories and situations where you walked away and you're like, damn, that was weird. These could be true crime adjacent. Maybe you saw a ghost. Maybe you dealt with a poltergeist who kept changing your light bulbs for you without even realizing it. We want to hear from you. So email us at weirddistractionspodcast at outlook.com and your story might be featured on an upcoming listener distractions episode. We haven't released one since June because to be honest, we need more stories from people like you. So get your typing fingers ready, get your computer, phone, whatever, up and running and email us. And I think that's it. I think you covered it all. You cured them all the goods. I'm sweating. I don't know how you do this every week, Christy. I Well, I usually read a script and you just did it off by heart, so kudos to you. <laughs> I mean, regardless, if you need a distraction. We got you. Bye. Bye. Oh.